Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi there, and welcome back to the Isaiah chapters. This is going to be for Isaiah chapter 51. First of all, 1 through 8 is a call to salvation. Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from whence ye are hewn, whence ye were hewn, and to the hold of the pit from whence ye are digged. These are defined in the next verse as Abraham and Sarah. He's talking about our origins, our ancestry, and our heritage. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bare you, for I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. The Lord shall comfort Zion, he will comfort all her waste places. Jerusalem shall be restored, and he will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. The earth will be renewed, and receive its paradisiacal glory. Also, when we truly come to Zion, which means a union with one another and with our God, the wilderness and desert areas of our soul will be renewed and blessed. Or hearken unto me, my people. In other words, the Latter-day Saints are the Lord's people. Give ear unto me, O my nation, for a law or teaching doctrine shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment to rest for a light of the people. The law has now come. It is the fullness of of his everlasting gospel. By it he will judge the world, and it now stands as a light for all men. Verse 5, my righteousness is near. In other words, the millennial day is almost here. My salvation has gone forth, or the gospel is being preached to prepare a people for the coming day. And mine arms shall judge the people, the isles shall wait upon me, and on mine arms shall they trust. Lift up your eyes, or open your spiritual eyes to the heavens, O ye saints of the Most High, and look upon the earth beneath, read the signs of the times. For the heavens shall vanish away, Hebrew, be dispersed like smoke. And the earth shall wax old, or it shall decay like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. This old world shall die, there shall be a new heaven and a new earth that will be a millennial earth. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. Hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness, the people in whose heart I have written my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be ye afraid of their revilings. As Smith said, I have reason to think that the church is being purged. So long as men are under the law of God, they have no fears. For the moth shall eat them up like a garment, and the worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. In other words, everything is going to come to an end except for the Lord's salvation. Verses 9 to 16, Israel appeals, and the Lord answers. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake, as in the ancient days, in the generations of old. Art thou not in it that hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? Israel is calling upon the Lord for deliverance, as he once did to free Israel from Egypt. Rahab is an ancient Near Eastern name for a monster of chaos, closely related to Leviathan, the personification of evil. 
Rahab was also a name of a harlot who facilitated Joshua's conquest of Jericho, whom he later protected in gratitude. Literally, the name Rahab means loose woman. It is also an emblematic name for Egypt. The meaning in this term, however, represents the Lord's conquest of a wicked and adulterous nation. From Isaiah, the times of fulfillment. Remember, we talked about Rahab in the, in the previous chapter in Genesis or Exodus, where uh, Rahab may not have been a harlot, but rather a, an innkeeper. There may have been either a translation or the scribes may have uh, wanted her to have that image. Anyway, uh, she may not have been as bad as we think. Verse 10, Art thou not it which hath dried the sea, the waters of the great deep, that hath made the depths of the sea a way for the ransom to pass over? That's talking about the crossing of the Red Sea. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. He's talking there about the Latter-day Saints. And everlasting joy and holiness shall be upon their heads. Priesthood ordinances from the temple. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. In other words, that's the millennium. I am he, I am he that comforteth you. Behold, who art thou that thou shouldst be afraid of a man that shall die? And of the son of man, which shall be made as grass. In other words, don't fear man, trust in the Lord. And forget us the Lord thy maker that hath stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth and hath feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he were ready to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? The captive exiled hasteneth that he may be loosed and that he should not die in the pit, nor that his bread should fail. Israel was carried away and, and those who wander in sin. Christ is the bread of life. Verse 15, but I am the Lord thy God that divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name, and I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand, that I may plant the heavens, and lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, Behold, thou art my people. Elder McConkie said that expression such as this means that the name of the Lord Jehovah has been placed upon his people, and they, knowing the name by which they are called, are heirs of salvation. Verses 17 to 23 are God's wrath on Jerusalem. Verse 17, Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem, which hast drunk at the hand of the Lord, the cup of his fury. Thou hast drunken the dregs of the cup of trembling and wrung, out, wrung them out. The last drops of the cup of wrath will be wrung out for Israel to drink, including the sediment in the bottom of the cup, which may symbolize the bitterest cry. Verse 18, and there is none to guide her among all the sons whom she hath brought up, neither is there any that taketh her by the hand of all the sons that she hath brought up. Israel has lost both the priesthood and the gifts of the Spirit. Verse 19, these two things are coming to thee. They shall be sorry for thee by desolation and destruction, and the famine and the sword, by whom and whom shall I and by whom shall I comfort thee? God has sent two priesthood holders. And notice it says, these two things are coming to thee. God has sent these two priesthood holders to assist and bless her. These two are the two witnesses spoken of in Revelation 11, who will testify in Jerusalem for three and a half years, who will be killed and left dead in the streets, and who then will be resurrected and lifted up to meet Jesus Christ when he returns to make his appearance to the Jews. These are either two members of the First Presidency or form of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Joseph Smith said, if we are not sanctified and gathered to the places God has appointed, we must fall. We cannot stand. We cannot be saved, for God will gather out his saints from the Gentiles. And then comes desolation and destruction, and none can escape except the pure in heart who are gathered. There's a further discussion about the two that will be found in Jerusalem. In Revelation 11, it says, and I will give power unto my two witnesses. 
and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. We know that's three hundred three and a half years. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascended out of the out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city that spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and in half and shall offer, and shall not suffer that their dead bodies be put into graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. Sounds like uh, it's on Fox or one of those network shows that uh, where the satellite transmission can show all of this so that the whole world can see it. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them. and They stood upon their feet and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. So who are these two prophets? In Doctrine and Covenants section 77, we have this. What is to be understood by the two witnesses in the 11th chapter of Revelation? Answer, they are two prophets that are, raised, are to be raised up to the Jewish nation in the last days at the time of the restoration and to prophesy to the Jews after they are gathered and have built the city of Jerusalem in the land of their fathers. Their ministry will take place after the Latter-day Temple has been built in Old Jerusalem. After some of the Jews who dwell there have been converted and just before Armageddon and the, Lord, and the return of the Lord Jesus. Who will these witnesses be? We do not know, except that they will be followers of Joseph Smith. They will hold the holy Melchizedek priesthood. They will be members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is reasonable to suppose, knowing how the Lord has always dealt with his people in all ages, that they will be two members of the Council of the Twelve or of the First Presidency of the Church. And that was by Buford McConkey. He's an apostle, I think he knows. Anyway, verse 20, Thy sons have fainted, save these two. They lie at the head of all the streets as a wild bull or antelope in a net. They are full of the fury of the Lord, the rebuke of thy God. Therefore, hear now this, thou afflicted and drunken, but not with wine. In other words, they're drunken with iniquity. Thus saith the Lord thy God, and, the, and thy God that pleadeth the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken out of thine hand the cup of trembling, even the dregs of the cup of my fury. Thou shalt no more drink it again, but I will put it into the hand of them that afflict thee, which have said to thy soul, Bow down, that we may go over. And thou hast laid thy body as the ground, and as the street to them that went over. That's the end of the chapter, and we'll see you next time. Okay. Exciting times we live in? Yes.